Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 365 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, joined not by Willie Saylor. Psych. I cannot say, as always, by my mainest man, Willie Saylor, ever again. Do not let me say, as always, because this guy, you just never know. In all seriousness, Willie, uh, we, we've talked. It's been a common topic of discussion that Willie is a gout sufferer. And part of Willie's problem is that he is in denial that he has gout, which is preventing him from getting the treatment his enormously swollen foot desperately needs. This uh, first emerged in uh, 2015 at the U.S. Open. Uh, After wrestling me, he had a major gout flare-up and limped around the South Point uh, Hotel for uh, the entire week. It was embarrassing. It was highly embarrassing. He went to the trainer. He <laughs> he went. I forgot. He went. You know, you've got uh, uh, you got Joe Cologne here getting his head wrapped, and you've got you know David Taylor getting an ankle tape, and then you've got Willie sitting up there with his fat foot, probably wearing a flannel shirt getting examined by the poor trainer who is not paid to examine the injuries slash ailments of wrestling media. Yet here that poor saint was. I completely forgot about that. And now he's at the doctor finally, and we should be thankful that he is seeking care for his foot because apparently it was a very tough scene at NHSCA. If you can elaborate, Nomad. It was, there was a lot of, uh, you go on ahead, I'll catch up <laughs> going on this weekend. A lot of, Ah, I want to go watch that match, but by the time I get there, it's going to be over. So, oh, my word. So, like, if there was a match that he wanted to watch, or, like, you know, his nephew was there, right? So so he was, he was there for all his nephew's matches. He would have to get up about the time that it got called to be in the hole. Mm, that's and tough. We're talking full six-minute high school matches, right? We're, we're doing the high school. We're not doing the, the middle school, like, one 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 one. Did he so have it to take, like, 20 minutes to get to a match. Did he ever have to stop and, like, catch his breath or anything like that? Like, lean on one <laughs> no, of those No, he was never, railings? like, out of breath. He just was 
he was hobbled. He was hurting. Yeah, huh? I'm sure he was was uh, lapping up the sympathy from the <laughs> from the community. Okay, well, Willie, get better soon. Um, he will try to tell you it's turf toe, so he sounds athletic. Yep. But Kyle, myself, and Dan all know this is definitely definitely gout. And until either he, way, it sucks. Turf toe sucks. Gout sucks. It all sucks. So whatever he's got, it's gout. Yeah, it's definitely gout. Can you explain why you think it's gout, Bracky? Because I wasn't sure, and then you sold me this morning. Yeah, it's called, they used to call it the King's Disease because um, it's when you eat a lot of meat and drink a lot. And that's mm. literally all Willie does. And you li- live a sedentary lifestyle. Yes, you don't do anything. Okay. That, so that is basically, that is as close as you can get to a diagnosis. The fact <laughs> that that's the description of gout, and that's how the Kings used to get it. I'm sorry, Will. You have gout. I hope he's listening. Um, he'll probably angry. He's probably yeah, gonna cause another flare up. So anywho, we're doing it. It's Kyle, Nomad, and myself. Nomad just got back from beach living. You can see he's got a little uh, tan. It looks like he was outside for at least 14 minutes during his time at the beach. So it was cold down there. Yeah, it was kind of cold here too. And actually, stupid kids running in the water. Now. March 28th, they're running in the water. You're not going to not run in the water at Virginia Beach. So quick catch up. Bo Nickel won the Hodge Trophy. There were four co-votes, which I think were probably like Kale, David Taylor, Zane Rutherford, and... Maybe Kerry McCoy since he also went to Penn State. Yeah, maybe Kerry. He won a Hodge? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Okay, so that's my theory on, on the co, but Bo was the... I think the clear runaway winner um, statistically. So I don't know if there's much to discuss other than that. Other than Willie asked me who's the best to never win the Hodge. And then he, he said, before I could answer, he said, no, off next topic. And I was like, well, there's different ways to look at it. There's like best careers to not win the Hodge. And then there's best seasons to not win the Hodge, right? Because that's really kind of how it's viewed. So in some ways, you know, Ed's sophomore and junior years were really good. That was one. In terms of a career, you know, Jake Varner made a world team in college. So that, but I think probably at the end of the day, Nolf is probably the best guy. Three undefeated seasons not to win the Hodge. Yeah, he's he's the, undefeated. The, the stupid Van Brill thing. Yeah. So in terms of, <clears throat> I was trying to go back and look through it, and I couldn't quite find them all. So if anybody has them, please send them to me. No, no, but no, s- since 2012, which is approximately the time that Penn State started taking over the uh, the Hodge Awards, five of the last eight. The NCAA has put out the most dominant score, which the TLDR version of that is you treat every match like it's a dual meet. You you only take Division One matches, total it up, and divide by the number of matches, right? Pin six, Tech five, da-da-da. Zane's 2017 score. The, Zane's 2017 is the most dominant it, season of all time. Exactly. 5.56. Yeah. Nolf, that year, second most dominant season uh, since 2012, 5.26. Dominant score, and his closest match was like four or five uh, against Kemmerer. And I forget if that was in the duel or, or in Sublays, but w- one of his matches against Kemmerer was his closest, and he still won by four or five. What's interesting, Nomad, is I was going to say, and one of my answers to Willie was, well, one way you can look at it is best seasons to not win. And think about Zane in 2016 when Ringer won. Zane's season was amazing. But you're telling me here that Nolf's year this year – or last year, excuse me. 27, his his sophomore year. Oh, so Nolf's sophomore year. Nolf's sophomore year, Zane's junior year. Got it. 
Um, so Nolf's sophomore year was not as good as Zane's sophomore year. Zane's junior year. Well, Twenty seventeen. I'm, ta- I'm talking about. Oh the, yeah, yeah. I'm Zane sorry, one sorry. is a junior. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Got it. Uh, so that's interesting to to learn. So wow. Yeah, I guess the answer is Nolf is the best to never win the Hodge, and no further discussion there. I do think it was cool that um, Allen Texas won both the Heisman and the Hodge. That's interesting. Um, obviously, yeah, very sad or whatever that that Nolf didn't win. And you know, there's a bunch of guys, right? Ruth Snyder. Um, as as CP just talked about, uh, I do want to make one final comment. Hmm. I stand by my my point that if you're in the media and you voted for Co Hodge, you should get your you should get your thing revoked. Yes, awards are meaningless ultimately. Like I don't think so they you can, did though. You can do whatever you want. I know. I, I agree. Um, but even people defending it, like Willie and Jason Bryant, voted for one person. And you know why you voted for one person? Because you know it's dumb to vote for two. That, don't be I, disingenuous. Well. I, I missed this whole thing on on Twitter. I got caught up this morning that you were you were going at it um, with about the. Co-hide. It was other people too. Listen, it wasn't just those two. Uh, you're, you're exactly right. the The numbers are clear, right? There's a very specific criteria, and you can assign a winner between the two for each criteria. And there's no scenario where you come up with an equal score. You just feel sad for one of them and don't want to make a decision. And also, don't give me the 2001 thing. Go, go read about 2001. Yeah, 2001, really. Is that good? Okay. Nick Ackerman had spinal meningitis. Nolf. This is not the same as two guys having pretty close, historically great seasons. Willie has a better not shot. Not the same thing. At getting a, Willie has a better shot at getting a co-hodge with his gout than, than, than Nolf does getting a co-hodge, just being really good. All right. Nolf hurt his leg once. He did hurt his leg once, and then he came back and smashed everyone. Yeah. And that was very impressive. That was quite impressive. Um, okay, so coaching news. There's not much currently. Coach uh, update. Coach updates. None. No updates. We'll, you know, we're all kind of waiting for the Maryland fallout thing. I know interviews are happening today. We'll see who gets coached. We still think, I still think it will be Scott Moore. I think he's the best candidate based on the names I've heard, I think, in terms of what he's accomplished as a head coach. But, um, Certainly, things can change there. I know we've talked about this on the show already. Do you do you feel any differently um, about the as a Big Ten school? Maryland should mainly be looking at guys who already have head coach, or that they should be open to it. Now that you've kind of heard the names of who's put in for it, do you think they should be more open to um, assistance maybe than you were before when it was just a nebulous anyone is theoretically available? Yeah, I think I, I think. T- Programs are too often really looking for the the head coach. Like I know, like with Wisconsin, obviously Bono was a great great candidate in that 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 instance. But they were not going to hire someone that didn't have head coaching experience. I just don't think that's I don't think that's the right way to look at it. If you're the best guy, you're the best guy. And the experience of coaching, um, you know, being a, a head assistant coach or whatever, you think about like Casey Cunningham. It's like. Man, that guy would be the, the pick over how many different D1 head coaches right now. Um, same maybe for, for, for Cody and a couple other assistants, Donnie Pritzloff, et cetera. Donnie's never been a head coach, but, um, you know, I think he'd certainly I, – I think he has a wealth of experience. I mean, that guy's been at Wisconsin. He's been at Michigan. He's been at Rutgers in, like, very involved roles. Guys like that have all the experience you need to, to come in and run a program. So I think it's a little overrated. Uh, having head coaching experience, of course, in a 
when you have a true like blue blood program like Iowa, Ohio State, uh, Penn State, you, you, yeah, you should have someone. You should have your pick of the litter, and ideally those people will be um, head coaches or have head coaching experience. So that's kind of how I view that. Um, so, yeah, that's about all we have for coaching news. We'll keep you posted as more stuff comes. Final X news. Jaden Cox has accepted and Adeline Gray is accepted. And now, so basically, USA Wrestling asks all the world medalists, world champs who have a bye to Final X if they choose to accept it. Hey, are you in or are you out? And so really the biggest news is the not name in there, which mm-hmm. is Kyle Dake. Kyle Dake has not yet accepted um, a spot at Final X, which the obvious reason for that is he's going down to 74 kilograms. Now, his window to accept is not closed yet. I think he has till the open. Yeah, I, I don't know the exact date, but it definitely is around the end of this month. Okay. So he, like he said, he's got plenty of time. He's got time. But the fact that he did not immediately say, yep, I'm in. I'm, uh, I'm in for Final X. Put me in the finals. That's cool. That says to me he, he wants to go down. Now, are there any other interesting uh, – I know we've got um, – only Adeline and Jaden so far. There's some others uh, that have accepted me. We're not supposed to put those out just yet. Yeah, don't do that yet. Uh, yeah, I don't. I'll get, <laughs> I'll get yelled at uh, by Gary, our, our, our man at USA Wrestling. But Dake has not accepted it yet. Uh, I can say that. And even if I can't, I just did. So I, I don't know. there's no pulling that one back. Well, and you made, you made the point on Twitter. Um, well, first of all, Dake and Jaden are the only ones that are interesting. When him and Kyle Snyder wrestle, he's winning. He's going with David in these practices. He's winning. Take that for what it's worth. Multiple sources out of the uh, out of these training camps are saying, "Dude, Jaden is just like jump levels." And I don't know if you've heard that. You're nodding. I just, I mean, Jaden. I think Jaden has, in general, jump levels. Whether no matter what's happening in the room, whatever changes, you know, mentally, physically, whatever he's done, you know, maybe just being able to focus full time on freestyle, he has. He has he's starting to actualize the potential that we all saw when he was a freshman. We're like, whoa, this yeah. kid has the body, he has the mind, he has the coaching, he has the work ethic, he has the talent, and now it's all coming together. And uh, you know, if if I'm Kyler David, I'm I'm a little worried. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're or you're <clears throat> kind of hoping. I mean, he's going down. Everyone says he's going down. Coach Jackson said he's going down. That's what I'm hearing. The yeah. plan is he's going down. So it'll be it'll be Jaden versus DT. It sounds like, uh, of course, things can change, bodies can grow, and he could say, "Screw that, I'll just go up to 97." But it sounds like it's going to be 86, and it's going to be, you know, there, it's one thing to be winning practice room goes and things like that, but yeah. it it'll be a different story come 2016 or 2020 Olympic trials between those two. So excited for that. I mean, I know we're, we're talking about Olympic trials, but man, it's uh, so much of not only the international season, but really the upcoming college season is kind of revolving around the Olympics. Well, how many times have we gotten questions? I mean, since the start of yeah. this past season, who's taking Olympic Gretchen? Who's taking Olympic Gretchen? Who's taking Olympic Gretchen? And we, I put out the list, and I think it was about January when USA Wrestling kind of finalized it. Uh, so w- we know who we, we know who Qualified. has an Olympic redshirt as of now. We have a better idea of who can get one um, now that we have the final NCAA placements. 
and then you know depending on how many of those guys make the finals at u23 trials right those those top three guys um or or previous champs the thing is most of the guys who won who still have eligibility left except for Suriano, basically had already qualified for an olympic redshirt right mm-hmm. makai already had spencer already had yanni already had and Suriano, as far as i know has no interest in wrestling freestyle i think there's interest for 2020 i yeah that's I think- okay that's great I was not aware of that. That's awesome. Well, I, certainly it hasn't been publicized. I I think it's a consideration. I don't think it's a guarantee either way, but I think definitely they're considering it. I think he's. I think he might wrestle at Beat the Streets. Um, obviously, he'll be invited. We'll see if it materializes. We don't know many of those matchups yet, mm-hmm. um, or by many, I mean any, other than JoJo Aragona versus Adam Buziello. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, those will uh, be materializing this week. It sounded like on our call last week that that would be kind of the case, so... Real quick, getting back to the to the um, the buy thing, real quick, and, and kind of where Jaden is, and Jaden's a little different than most people that are going to have to go through the tournament because he is, you know, defending world champ and all. Um, but when I when I wrote this article back in 2017, when it was still the old process where you had the open and then you had the trials and everything was in one day, right? Everything was was in Lincoln that one day. Um, I'd looked at since 2009. 43 buys had been earned um, via the U.S. Open, and 30 times out of that 43, the person with the buy won. Mm-hmm. You know what? You know what's interesting to me? I was thinking about this when I was when I was just considering this Jaden decision. How many times has the world medalist sat out and been unseated by the guy that came through? It, it, we see it happen where, like, you know, Metcalf comes through and he takes it, but he's, like, he beats the guy that won the Open or whatever. Um, but the medalist getting unseated, I was just trying to think back. Even, you know, when Kyle in 2016, Varner won the first one, and he couldn't – Varner just couldn't keep it together the last two. David Taylor against Jaden, he he ran, wrestled the whole tournament. He kind of smoked Jaden in that first match. Didn't have it to, to win the next two. Dake. I mean, it's just when these guys are sitting out. Um, now, Burroughs was not a returning world medalist that year, but just in general, the world medalists when they get to sit out, when's the last time one got unseated? And and it's a little different, of course, now with the final X process. Right. But then it's going to go back to um, obviously not one day because of J.A. Wayne's, but a, a single tournament for Olympic trials. Mm-hmm. So it, it's so it, it's kind of going to be weird to compare this short period of data from twenty right. nineteen. But on the men's side, I can't think of any. You know, on the women's side, last year we saw Jakara beat Becca. Um, but even on the women's side, <clears throat> it's pretty it's pretty rare that the, the returning medalist. The the difference is how often do we see a medalist go up or down to face another medalist? Right, that's pretty rare. So I'm gonna I, I got this article pulled up. Um, probably sometime this week, I'll be able to go back and look at the 2017 results and the 2018 results. Um, and kind of update, you know, the value of the buy, um, and then maybe break it down into medalist versus um, medalist versus uh, open. Um, what what I do know is, when the person who has the buy loses, the person who wins usually holds the spot for a while. So when James Green won, he then that was his spot. Mm-hmm. for four or five years, right? So that that's like the most recent example. But there are other examples um, going back a little bit. So that's the thing is 
the guy the the guys who are able to beat the person with the buy are then taking control of the spot and competing for medals. Yeah. Well, so we'll see. Um, we'll learn a lot. I mean, what I, I'm interested in this the U.S. Open because there's a lot of incentive for a lot of guys to go. Who's going to enter um, weight by weight? Of course, for 57, stakes are extremely high because we don't have a returning world medalist. So we should see, theoretically, everyone in there. And I, I'm curious who's going to be back at that weight. Like, I don't – like, Tony Ramos made a World Team Trials Files. I think he's probably going to be up at 61 if I had to guess. I don't know that for sure. Um but, you know, you can almost pencil Dayton in for any tournament that he's allowed to enter because he <laughs> enters everything. He wrestles in everything. And uh, I think we'll see him at the Open. Um, Gilman, theoretically, this will be— I mean, he kind of has to, right? I think so. I mean, well, as, that, a, retu- he, as a returning world uh, world teamer, I feel like he's in trials. No, he's definitely in trials. He but can he, put himself in final X. Right, he's not—yeah, he can put himself that, in final— I'm just saying— that's what, Yeah, that's what we're talking about is— but now there's also – you run the risk of if you don't, then you do have to wrestle world team trials. and But it's like two weigh-ins, right, or um, – but more opportunities. That, that's basically the risk for these senior-level guys, in my opinion. That's what they're weighing. They're weighing number of matches, number of weigh-ins versus number of opportunities. In 2017, Gilman could have won the U.S. Open and uh, sat to the finals, and he elected to not go. Correct. He went to last chance instead. So it would not be the first time Gilman has said, I'm not worried about that. I'll do it. And then, you know, he got the ball rolling kind of like he said in, in his in the film. And how about that almost didn't happen because DeShazer headlocked him. Yeah. And he was down like 6-0. Yeah. I mean, that's the risk you run. Yeah. And look, he got it done. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't enjoy doubting Thomas Gilman, and I'm not doubting him here. But that is the risk you run. If you don't go to the open and you elect to say, "Hey, I'm going to get it done at trials," because hey, there are other good people in that way. But he's already in trials, so that's no. Matter. I'm saying if if, you, if he skips the open and says, "I'm not worried about getting the buy to final X," I know I'm going to get it at the open. Mm-hmm. But then you or excuse me at the trials, but then you run that risk of losing in Raleigh and not making final X at all. Yeah. So number of opportunities is is a important thing to consider. As Obviously, well. the big question at 57 kilograms. Will we see Spencer Lee? Right. I don't know. Um, I I don't know why he didn't wrestle last year. Last year the plan was, well, he kind of said he would, and then he's like, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wrestle at Dogu or whatever, wrestle international, and he ended up, ended up doing that. So I don't know what the plan is. I haven't heard anything. Last time around, um, University of Iowa put out a release that saying, hey, he's not doing this. So I assume we'll probably have to wait for something like that or just see if he enters the U.S. Open. Um, but I'm not sure if, uh, you know, he's going to try to make the world team this year either or not. We haven't seen him wrestle freestyle since 50 kilogram world, world finals, uh, when he won in 2016, 2016. So it's been, it's been a bit and, uh, yeah, we'll see if he comes back. I obviously hope he does, um, in a big way. Well, I don't just given how everything went down with. Ramos and Dennis, and given this, the type of season that Spencer had and how he's young enough where if, if he, for all intents and purposes, takes this Olympic cycle off in terms of wrestling freestyle, given Gilman's age and given Spencer's age, I, th- I don't think we're going to see him until 2020. This is 
right? Complete outsiders view. I haven't talked to anybody in the Iowa program about this. I would just assume let Gilman finish out this quad, and then if Gilman wants to come back and continue wrestling, you know, for so you mean twenty twenty one then? Yeah, I, I I don't think we would see. I don't think we see Spencer wrestle freestyle till twenty twenty one at the senior level. Maybe maybe U twenty threes. Whoa. That'd be crazy. That's just my opinion. I mean, maybe I mean, it's very possible. I don't know. And then after, and then twenty twenty one, if Gilman's still around, then they have the conversation. Hey, look, this is it. You know, Spencer's in his last year of college now. Um, if he doesn't Olympic redshirt, then hey, now you guys got to figure it out. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. I hope. I hope that he does. Kind of. I, I always kind of viewed him as a guy with major international aspirations and not a guy that wants to wait. So I would have assumed we would have seen him last year and would assume we'd see him this year. But at this point, it being two years and change since we see him wrestle freestyle, maybe um, you know he's taking a more wait wait a little bit till the time's right approach to freestyle. Or maybe he'll enter this year and make the world team and win worlds. It's very possible. Um, okay, so that's 57. I don't know if we want to go through, through every weight, but 65 is the one that's very – that you got to figure everyone's going to be there. We see Zane and Yanni and Logan and McKenna and Ironman and maybe Jo if he can still make the weight. I'm, uh, I'm not sure. Um, That's the plan. I don't know. I don't know if it's still the plan. Um, but we will see. So 65, Mr. Spreadsheet, can you can you lock in here? I am. I'm 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 putting in the guys so that we can we can talk about them. Oh, um, shoot. So. Logan Sieber obviously was the world teamer last year. Uh, he did not medal, so we don't have anybody sitting out, which is – it's good and it's bad, right? Like having somebody sit out means you have world medals, but then it's also, you know, for, for us as like me and fans, then we get to see more of the matchups, right? Yeah. Um, McKenna was his opponent in Final X, and Jaden Ironman was uh, third on the national team. Ironman has already said he's taken an Olympic red shirt. Um, Yanni, somebody who a lot of people think – is going to take an Olympic red shirt. He certainly, uh, I think, should take a very hard look at it, given what he has said about his freestyle aspirations. Um, and and you know, I'm sure that he was frustrated that he couldn't he couldn't wrestle last year with the torn ACL. He year before he wrestled the junior open and um, then didn't end up wrestling the trials. So I imagine he is itching to wrestle freestyle. You already mentioned Jordan Oliver. What about Frank Molinaro? That was the one I was just about to get to. Frank Molinaro. Now the plan, the the I thought the plan was Molinaro wrestled seventy at uh, the Dave Schultz, mm-hmm. mainly because he they 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 had him on a schedule where he was going to wrestle in so many events that they're like, hey, don't burn away in now, right? Just win the tournament, get some matches in, qualify for trials, and then you know go sixty five for for Cuba and and this and that. But he didn't end up going to Cuba. Um, and he hasn't wrestled 65 at all yet, so maybe it's maybe they're being a little slower with with his descent. Obviously, they don't have like rules about descent, but just like in terms of physiologically, they're like, hey, let's just wait until you know April 28th or whenever the open is mm-hmm. when we get to Vegas. Yeah, so Molinero would definitely be a, a big wrinkle into that weight class, and they'll all be there. And I don't know what Yanni's plan is for 2020. I'd love to see him wrestle in college, and then shoot for the world team but obviously he has big international aspirations and he's got the goods to to make a run at the team for sure um so and then 70 is interesting because you know Nolf and, and green's not a returning medalist so theoretically those guys should both be there 
at the U.S. Open. Really looking forward to to that one. Any other uh, contenders that you see? Maybe Kyle Brackey at seventy. No, I think you guys nailed this. All right. Um, I'm I'm trying to because maybe you're maybe the mug dog. Yeah, absolutely. He was in the finals of the Open last year. Yeah. He's pretty good. And, and what I'm curious about with not just guys like Hayden, so um, you look at kind of the guys who wrestled juniors and guys who wrestled U23s, and it's it's very conflicting because, you know, I'm very much team go wrestle freestyle, right? We saw the – I'm going to end up writing something about Makai Lewis, right, and like – you know, the, the some Christian was talking about, like, should we have seen this coming? Because guys who win Junior Worlds, right, they end up doing really well at the NCAA level. But there's also the concern of going all summer, you're going to camps, right? It's not, it's not just wrestling the trials in May. It's then camp, camp, going overseas, wrestling in Worlds. You miss the preseason, mm-hmm. right, in a lot of cases. You you have to completely change your, your mindset from freestyle to folk style. And – We've seen guys who can overcome it, right? You know, Gabe Dean still was able to overcome when he, when he did his junior, um, made his junior team. But yeah, he also but, took a couple losses earlier in the yeah, year. Yeah, so. he did not look right after that. Right. And, you know, Hayden, I think I think that contributed a little bit to Hayden this year too. Where so he, he didn't look good at the beginning of the year? Exactly, yeah. So it's very conflicting because um, I, I totally get the, you know, I selfishly want them all and I want our, I want our best teams for Team USA, but – there's also the concern that coaches have of man, are, are we going to burn these guys out before, um, before the season and, and kind of you know risk their seed and and um, obviously again a lot of guys can overcome but there's still some concern there. Yeah, for sure. So open definitely going to be super juicy, super interesting. We'll probably get into that more a little bit later. Do you think now that Nolf has done college because he's obviously going to do it for 2020? Mm-hmm. Do you think we see Nolf at 74 this year? I, that is so interesting to me. I have no idea what he's gonna do. Right? Is is there just no way, shape, or form he ever made sixty five? Is that just like unthinkable? I thought that I heard someone say at the um, Penn State social after NCAA's that he was gonna wrestle seventy four for twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. That's if, a year away. If, so if I'm him, if I'm Jason Nolf. What a world this would be. Um, <laughs> genius, great wrestler guy. Um, it, it, to me, it's like get some more international experience. Make a team if you can, if you can beat Green. And then because the, the reality is you're, you're not going to unseat Burroughs or, or probably even make the finals with Dake there. Get a year of seasoning. Get all those camps. Make a team. Maybe win a medal. Um, I, I think he could do really well. If he can be, get by Green, I think he'll do well. I think if Green makes a team, he'll do real well. Um, I think that experience will be really valuable for him, for someone that doesn't have a ton of freestyle experience. and He's someone we've seen kind of make big improvements, mm-hmm. but he has a really unique style that's going to have to make adjustments. I just feel like he's a guy where if you put him in the environment time and time again – He's going to be like a, a, an Askren type quick learner, able to evolve, learn from his mistakes. So I feel like he can make a lot of mistakes, learn a lot this year at 70, then get big and, and give yourself a run. Because there, there's no one like him at 74. He's, he's a completely – it's not like um, – Yeah, he's a total wild card. And I don't know if he can even 
would he be the best 74 in the Nittany Lion room with Vincenzo Joseph potentially uh, trying to make the team? I think I think Vincenzo's interesting as well at 74 long term. But with Dake and Burroughs, man, that's such a tough uh, tough hill to climb, especially if you're not seasoned interna- international wrestler. Go make a team or, or put yourself in position to make a team and, and potentially win a medal and then go from there. There's big opportunity in that. What are your thoughts on – so I just looked up, uh, found his age. So he he's 23 right now, so he has one final year. He already turned 23, so he has one final year of U23 eligibility. Um, again, he's done college. Mm-hmm. Do you also think uh, maybe he should look at trying to make a U23 team if he if he doesn't make it to Final X? They're not going to Mike Machiavello him, are they? We're going to make the team, and then it's like, yeah, you're too old. No, it says, says uh, 96 is his birthday. Okay, 96. So there, as we all know, 96. He'll be fine. Um, Yeah, sure, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I see him. Just because you said, you you know, get get the value making a team. I know it's yeah. not a senior team, but. It would definitely be a lot of experience. Right. You go to camps and all that. Not that he doesn't go to camps anyways. Yeah, maybe. Maybe does does U23. But I think he's such a contender, contender on the senior level, especially at 70. I just don't see him trying to mm-hmm. do all that, but maybe. Real, real quick, getting getting back to to that point that I made earlier about um, do you, do you send guys or not? U twenty three worlds. It looks like they're even later this year than they were in twenty eighteen. October twenty eighth, November third. What? Oh my god! Which for the you know the world is they Fine. don't they don't care right? They don't have a college season to go to, but if. Isn't that getting changed though? Like I know this year is set, but like in the future, aren't they aren't they going to have a more? Yes, there. Cadence? Yeah, there is a uh, the, there's a plan to to change the schedule. But in the short term, I wouldn't be surprised if we did not send you know our strongest U twenty three team again. Now again, it's a little different this year with the Olympic red shirts and stuff. But g- given that it's so late, I mean that's past the not just the start of like practice. But legit competition season, right? So I don't know how strong our U twenty three team is this year, just because a lot of the best guys still have college eligibility and national title aspirations. Yeah, of course. All right, I want to go to questions now. Enough. Um, Eight thirty seven in the a.m. here in Austin, Texas. A lot of good questions. First one um, from Ender Kong Cow. <laughs> I'm All right. Dead serious. At Asian underscore boy 0214. Uh, what are your predictions for the most surprising weight changes at the U.S. Open? Will they impact the national world team? Uh, biggest weight changes, well, Dake would be big. If Tony goes up is big. Molinero coming down is big. Mm-hmm. Um, if J.O. goes 70, that's big. I'm trying to think of any others. Jaden is staying. So that's interesting. I think Hayden Zilmer will be at 97 this year, which, you know, he was in Final X, so for what that's worth. But that's all That's all I've got. Are there any others I'm missing? The Nolf, you know, if Nolf goes 74, mm-hmm. which we just talked about. But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We kind of know where everybody is approximately, and you assume that more guys are going to shift towards the Olympic weights than, than not. So I would just – we saw it in 2015. The non-Olympic weights at Worlds were not as strong as the Olympic weights. Mm-hmm. The brackets weren't as big. The guys weren't as good. 
it, right. it, it, yeah. that's what it was. How does it feel doing enough FRL shows to fill up the whole year? Feels good. Feels real good. Here's to another year of FRL shows. I want somebody to I, – I, we need receipts that somebody will spend the next calendar year listening to all of them, yeah. one per day. Yeah, someone do that. Receipts. This question is more specific for Wrestling Nomad. This is from – I'm not even trying to read that. Oh, my name – my name is Jeff for FRL. <laughs> do you know? Do you know what that's from? Uh uh-uh. uh It's from uh, Twenty Two Jump Street. Oh, I the second seen it. one. But he's trying to like act like he's somebody else, and he goes, "My name is Jeff," oh. like in a really high pitched voice. But that's <laughs> and that's the Channing Channing Tatum's the one who says it. So. Oh God, that's why he, that's his yeah. avatar. Yeah. And he made this for FRL. My name is Jeff for FRL. This question is specific for Wrestling Nomad. Will you, sir, state here on FRL 365 that you will never pick against Zahid Valencia again, not even if he loses to Hall or anyone else during the season, not even if he's the 33 seed coming into NCAAs? <laughs> we'll never pick against Zahid Valencia. Well, I'm going to pick against Zahid Valencia against Kyle Dakin stuff. So, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm never going to pick against Zahid Valencia again. How about, okay, I'll refine it because you know what he means. You know he means. Hey, the, the, he the, asked the question. Okay. You want, you want, here's you want my good question. answers? Here's, ask good questions. Here's my question. Don't question be like Willie. Christian Piles. Yeah, don't be like Willie. You'll be written out. It would be just me and Kyle with our <laughs> friends. I answered the question. Okay. Now you're being a smart aleck, so I'll refine the question because this is what Jeff meant to ask. Will you ever pick Zahid Valencia to lose to Mark Hall again? Probably not. Oh, probably not. Well, you know what? I like it. <clears throat> I like it because you were already definitive once, and you completely looked like a flip-flopper. So now you're not going to look like a flip-flopper because you said probably yeah, not. I, so I, I'm fine with this answer. Actually. I said right before the finals, I was like, I, I flip-flopped on this so many times, I don't get credit either way if it. Would, yes. No matter what happens. It's a classic lose-lose. I think Zahid is better. I I think Zahid's better. I think Mark is freaking amazing. And maybe the you know second or third best guy in the country, depending on where you look at Zahid, um, like overall, pound for pound. But I just think Zahid's better. And I think he had a weird match. And that and, you know the rec hall match mattered a lot more to Mark than it did Zahid. And then he beat him again. It was super close, right? And it was, you know, the, the takedown was, you know, he kind of hooked the ankle and it was close. But I just think he's better. Yeah, it's pretty freaking close. Uh, it's it's very close. Yeah. But I think you're wise to not be so. JB and Dake are super close too. Yeah, but it, yeah, true. But it's been almost all Burroughs except for one match. Not, and the, the matches are close. Never mind. Not getting pulled into that one. Uh, if you could reverse the outcome of any single match in NCAA history, which match would it be and why? Let's start with Kyle Brackey. I know the answer. Yeah, last year's incident boy final between Mike Machiavelli and Jared Hot. That yeah. one really hurt. That hurt. It hurt bad. It hurt being around you. It hurt me. Even though Mike Machiavelli may be the nicest guy walking. I'm not mad at. Him. I'm not mad at him. You are mad I at don't, Mike. I don't, I'm not mad at him. He did what he had to do. But it really hurt to watch. It hurt, and it hurts knowing that Jared had never lost to him. I know. Yeah. Oi. He oy, was texting oy. me about it this year. He's he, he's still hurting. Is he? Yeah. Dag on it. Sorry. Look what you did, Mike. <laughs> Big jerk. Mike Michael, also one of the nicest humans. I just said that. Yeah. Um. All right. What's yours, Nomad? Uh, either the. 1983 EIWA Concy Semis or the 1982 <laughs> EIWA third place match. So my dad could have went wrestled NCAAs. 
Uh, Dang, you took mine. <laughs> Crap. All right, let me think. Um, since I can't use Roy Lobdell anymore, I will say, man, you know what? I, I didn't at the time. I don't think it bothered me as much, but the more I've watched Dan Dennis, Jason Ness, mm. even though I really like Jason Ness a lot, and just seeing Dan's face after he lost that match, mm-hmm. like I was like, I want to change this right now for this guy. I feel like even though Ness definitely deserved the title and all that, I was just like, I feel like Ness would be able to handle this a lot more than, than Dan is right now. Like he's, you could just like see the anguish on his face. And I didn't even know Daniel Dennis at that time. And then you hear, you know, in, in, in the doc, like how bad that loss messed him up. I would like to change that. And Dan was like, Dan Dennis was not supposed to be. Yeah. That guy, like Ness, Ness was much more of a, a highly touted prospect, you know, recruit coming out. Dan Dennis was like, Dan Dennis was like, I, I don't know if I can wrestle D one. Yeah, for sure. At points in his high school career, you well, know, yeah. and then worked his way up. Yeah, and you know, he had never been really that close to Ness in a match. He's put the perfect match together until oh, I don't even want to think about it. It's definitely that one though. Um, I don't. I don't really like this question, but I'll ask it. Who cares? Debate. Suryan is the East Coast Gilman, but luckily he didn't go to Iowa or he'd end up with no titles. Changed my mind. Well, if your point is that lightweights don't win titles at Iowa. That's really dumb. That's really dumb. Like Just because Gilman, Gilman didn't. didn't win a title. Well, the last two champs at 125 were from Iowa. His name's Spencer Lee. Um, Corey Clark. Tony Ramos. Tony Ramos. Matt McDonough. They're pretty good at the lightweight. So no, if are you so are you trying to tell me if if Nick Soriano went to Iowa he wouldn't win national titles? Like you were literally, you were smoking drugs. Like <laughs> I would win titles at Iowa. He won them at Rutgers. Um, he would have won them at Penn State. It, the guy was going to win titles, <clears throat> and Iowa's the at place to be title. if you're a lightweight. He was going to definitely win title. Uh, so he's already got one. He's got one one more year left. He could get two. I, th- we can't change your mind because you don't. You clearly don't like Suriano or Gilman for that matter, or Iowa. I think you, you Iowa. had a whole bunch of hate yeah. here. Yeah, who you doesn't did. he like? You need to take your daily vitamins. Yeah, your vitamins. and not be such a hater. Yeah, his name's <laughs> your daily vitamin. Uh, Mo Pierre, what are y'all's favorite slash best wrestling books? I just read A Wrestling Life. I have not read that, and Four Days to Glory. I have read that one. We'll start with Kyle Bracky. I've not read a ton of wrestling books, but Four Days Four Days of Glory is really good. It's and about um, Jay Borschel and Dan LeClaire yeah. and their uh, pursuit of a fourth Iowa State title. It's really cool. There's actually a Matt McDonough reference in there because uh, him and Borschel were teammates. There's Ryan Morningstar references. Yeah, There's, you'll recognize a ton of names because it, it's it. about the recruiting process to Virginia Tech. It's it's cool. I, I highly recommend it. It's uh, interesting insight to Jay Borschel had a pretty interesting mentality then too i think he was like he would like print off message board stuff and like tape it to his wall which if you know jay actually doesn't really seem like something he would do like yeah. you know he'd be like whatever he's a know. really cool guy yeah jay is awesome he's yeah. hilarious so it was kind of 
Um, that was it was just really cool to read. So I highly recommend that one, Nomad. Um, what did your dad write one? No, I never read Wrestling <laughs> Life. I read the other. What's about uh, Wrestling Life about? I don't even know what. That's the that's there's there's a couple of gay books. That's, that's a Churchill documentary. <laughs> that's one of them. Oh, I read the a season on the mat about the the '97 team, which I really liked. Four Days of the Glory is really good. Four Days of Glory is also really good if you want, like, it's a real good time capsule of you look at Iowa wrestling and Iowa high school wrestling specifically yeah. in the early to mid 2000. I'm like 2005, six, four, five, six. Right. Kind of range. And then kind of compare it to where it is now. Yeah. Um, just a really interesting, um, just a really interesting take on that. I don't know that I've read many other wrestling books other than those two. Definitely Season on the Mat was like a Season on the Mat's awesome. That was like a life changing book for me. It was the first it's book great. I read about wrestling. It got me so fired up. Um I, I just loved everything about that book and I love the mentalities of the guys and just like how is there some extreme stuff in there? Some of the weight cutting stuff with I think Joe Williams. I think it was Joe Williams. There's no there's another guy that was cutting, I think maybe Mena. Cutting so much weight, like and that the, was of course the year. Literally carrying them to the scale type stuff, which you know that doesn't really happen anymore, thankfully. But no, great. I'd highly recommend a season on the mat. Highly recommend four days to glory. Um, I know I've read others, but they're not coming to mind right now. I don't recommend the Cejudo book. Oh, that Didn't feels like, like it. I I I, 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 just, I read the Cejudo book, and uh, I just feel like it's a bunch of propaganda. That's that's what just like it's not great. It's not no, and it was it was ghostwritten by like, Bill Plasky. Yeah, classic eh. Bill Plasky. Yeah, no, the, yeah. not 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 so much on the Cejudo book. Okay, there you go. Um, so what way do Bo and Nolf try going for World Olympic team? Uh, well, we talked about Nolf. Not gonna get into that one. Sounds like Bo ninety seven is the thing, which I would have said, you know, ninety two, and then maybe make a choice next year. I figured he'd be an 86 Olympic style, but guess not. 97, and they, maybe they're trying to avoid the the Gilman Ram or the Dennis Ramos thing at uh, their own weight at 86. And like Bo, Bo, you're six five. Just uh, hit the weight room, brother. My understanding, yeah, is nickel 97, and then uh, fisticuffs, MMA. Oh yeah, yeah. I wonder, you know, while we're on the topic of Penn State and. Fisticuffs and whatnot. What, what's Kassar's future? Well, one is does he come back next year for a sixth year? Two, what's his international ceiling? I mean, if you if you beat Gable twice mm -hmm. and you have the two to one takedown advantage there, forgive me, but I feel like he can. He's like a guy on our ladder at the senior level at 125. I, I believe that. Now that's a crowded list because you've got Nick Wazdowski, multiple world medalist. You've got Kuhn. You've got, you know, Nelson will be around, Don Bradley. You've got Gable, who he's beaten twice. You've got Anthony. Does Zach Ray still wrestle? He's, he'll definitely be on the ladder. So the, it's a it's a crowded area, but, man, I feel like Kassar's in the mix there. And, I mean, we I talked about this before. Kassar had, like, 130 takedowns this year. Yeah. Which is, you know, like Snyder-ish numbers. There's also... You know, is he a heavyweight? Like, is he is he fully too big now for ninety seven? Probably, I Probably. would say. Um, 
But yeah, he's a he's a neutral guy. He has excellent leg attacks, and he's extremely active. So um, he can probably tire out a lot of those those guys a little easier, and you know win win some matches on pace in addition to his technique. Um, I think it's pretty high, but again, I think he also wants to do MMA. And so I, I guess my question for they said he's a pre med major. Is that true? I don't know. Mike Mal would know. That's, that's who told me. Well, then I bet I bet he is. <laughs> Mike Mal coached uh, Kassar in high school. The more but you know. The thing with uh, the thing with Bo and Kassar, I wonder if they're going to try to use their freestyle careers as like a jumping off point for MMA where, you know, if you've made an Olympic team or you've won a world medal, it's a little easier to negotiate a better contract. You know, you get maybe fast-tracked a little easier. Um which I mean, if that's your plan, like I don't really have a problem with it. Like, okay, I'm gonna do this. No, Matt's really cool good. with it. Well, it's you know, somebody wrote an article the other day, and it was like top five prospects that have graduated looking at MMA, and I don't know how many of them are actually gonna go to MMA, but it's like if that's your goal, you know, like Pico was very upfront, like I'm not gonna wrestle forever. Like the goal is MMA. So yeah, I think if you're gonna do it. You know, ramp up for freestyle for two or three years, try to make teams and win medals, and then cash in quick on MMA and then give it all back to wrestling. Not all back, but, you know, a lot of it. Give it Not like back. 100% of your net wealth. <laughs> but, you so know, make give, a lot of money and give it to me, Wrestling give, Nomad. Give, you know. I have Venmo, at Nomad. Uh, FRL questions. 1984 club. Has anyone ever handled the, oh, what's up, everybody, intro? If not, would Pazel allow Nomad or Bracky a shot? Actually... Bracky has done this. Before. I did it one time. He did it once, but it was the, not good. The rec- what, and the recording was compromised, so no one ever oh, heard yeah, it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, that was when I was at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I have. Uh, it's happened before. And, um, you know, it just take, it takes it takes experience. Bracky would be would be great intro guy. I would not like to do it right now. My nose is very stuffed up. Yeah. I don't know if you guys can hear it. But. Brock Desert, three count, no biscuit. When will Sion back, be back on? Well, interestingly, Sion informed me yesterday. He's like, I'm coming on Thursday. So apparently he will be back on Thursday. (laughs) As I've said repeatedly on this show, open invitation for Sion to come back. He can come back anytime. It's a total lie. He's a big lie guy. Very honest person. But he lies about nonsense things like me saying he can't be on the show. He can be on the show anytime he wants. But, you know, he just has to abide by the, uh, what is it, the, the FCC regulations? The codes and laws of ethics. Yeah, the co- there's codes. But he also and- didn't want to do the donation thing if he cursed, remember? Yeah. Well, sounds like he does, he's out on charity. Yeah. Which, that that's a normal, everybody, not everybody, a lot of people have, you know, cuss jars, right, in their houses. You know, yeah, that's, but. That's our version of a cuss jar. We don't have a jar that big uh, for his, for his <laughs> potty mouth. Ten-gallon jug. <laughs> Another question. Will Willie ever appreciate us friends, or is that ship sailed? It's long sailed. It's been gone. It's been gone. <laughs> it, it's it's he's 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 lamenting your existence right now with his cursing his foot. He's probably blaming you, the FRL listeners, for his foot troubles. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just the kind of friend he's not. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry. An- another great question. Brock Desert was on fire. Is Alan Jackson underrated? One hundred percent, yes. He's highly underrated. That's a he's he's one of the best to ever do it. I remember last summer, uh, before the wedding, we were like trying to pick up like music to give to the DJ yeah. or whatever, and I just got down this Alan Jackson rabbit hole, and I literally just wanted to play Al- straight Alan Jackson. 
I think you should have. Here you go. Yeah, Olivia was not down for it. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, she's very, she's very, uh, you know, she's so cool. Yeah. Uh, back to our, no, Alan Jackson, highly underrated. Great question. Um, if a, This is hilarious. If a Jersey wrestler hits the bow and arrow, will the move be renamed to the bro and arrow? I think absolutely it will be. That's from Nikki Flo. It has to be. It has to be called that now. Nick Soriano needs to learn it. I feel like Soriano would do that move. I feel like he just grabbed the foot and horse. He's got a nice Turk. I was going to say, his Turk this year was especially, and maybe I just wasn't really looking for it in the early part of the year, but the second half of the year, he was utilizing people with it. That's how he majored Cruz as a true freshman. Was that what it was? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He just always can doubles off and scoops that bottom leg. It's a great move. I hate when, sorry to interrupt, just I hate when I like notice like, Oh man, that guy's got a really good X, right? Turk, and then it's like, oh, apparently he's just been doing this for a while, and I just never quite, it never quite like clicked. Like, oh yeah, he's been doing this well. Yeah, it's very. Annoying. I want one that happened to me once when I was interviewing Imar, and I was somewhat embarrassed. But I, you know, I watched a lot of Imar and didn't realize he was big roll through tilt guy. And at Reno, he was roll through tilt and everyone. This was his. Mm-hmm. Um, this would be his sophomore year, um, the year he, he beat Nolf in the finals. And I was like, hey, I noticed you were hitting this a lot. He's like, ah, yeah, I've been, I've been doing that forever. I was like, yeah, I know. I know. That, that, I, I know. You. But it looks, it looks better. Don't you agree? I just, I had never really seen him do it. And then I went back and I was annoyed at myself for not knowing that. I went back and watched a bunch and I was like, man, I'm an idiot. I, I also have a much better, I'm much more likely to notice something like specific technique wise in person like i can get a general idea of of things um kind of watching from home but being in person and like calling a match you really it it just sinks in so much more for me like okay this guy does xyz yeah all right this is a this is a question this may divide the room um Uh we're about to fight we're about to fight Uh, we're 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 still we're still a family but we're about to fight Kyle Curtis. Do you need a mediator? Maybe. I'm interested in your take on this because you're probably just going to piss me off. Okay. I I don't think so. Or he'll be on my team. Let's play. (laughs) Now, this is an interesting question. Let's play a game. I like the game. I like the game. I like the game. Let's play a game called Better Career So Far, The Bull or Hydley. Now, career. Now, hold on. (laughs) Okay, Nomad's on my team. (laughs) Now, there's a lot of different ways to look at this. If you look at it, here's how I view wrestling. And, and how I value skill and how good you are or are not. Who did you beat and who beat you? If you start asking those questions and compare Alex Marinelli and Hayden Heidley, it is much closer than the low-hanging fruit of NCAA finishes. Now, if in Alex Marinelli's freshman year he had Alec Pantelio in the semis and not, oh, I don't know, Isaiah Martinez, perhaps he would be second at NCAAs as a, as a freshman. If you look at the guys that he's beaten, how many All-Americans, do you know that Hayden Heidley did not beat an All-American this year until NCAAs? That's how weak his schedule is. So you can His look schedule was weak this year for sure. Very weak. It was somewhat better last year. It was much better last year. By, by New Year's, he'd already beaten Berger in the Valley. Right, right. So he started really hot, and he was undefeated. They, so they both were, had undefeated regular seasons at one point in their career. But if you look at the wins, right? And then Hayden finished it off 
won his conference and Marinelli triple dipped. Okay. Well, let's put um, Marinelli in the ACC and see those conference results. I'm just it's saying. a little different when you hit Logan Massa in your quarter or semi than when you're hitting what? what who would be in the ACC? Mitch Feinsilver. He beat him last year. Feinsilver. Fine silver, who had not placed until last year. But he's good. That's a good win. It's a good win. I marked it down as one of his quality wins because they're not that easy to find with Hayden. So his best win is probably Lavalley uh, or Berger, who he beat twice. He's beaten Pantelio twice, Fine Silver twice, Micah Jordan, and Deacon. Those are fine wins, but he also lost to Pantelio and Berger and Larry Early the third this year. And he holds winning records over all three of those wrestlers. Um, I don't know if he's. Uh, true. Has a winning record against Larry Early. I think he's one and one against him. That's no. He beat him twice his he, freshman year. Yeah, hang on. Well, yeah. he just needed to get the. Anyway, that's not a great. Way. Well, it it honestly shows regression for Hayden this year. The fact that he was like two and zero against Berger and lost to him this year. He had majored early as a freshman and lost Major. to him. Uh, and then you know this year he lost a he lost to I Pantilio. Guess, I guess he has one and one. My he, bad. I thought there was. That's okay. Um, he split with him, but he kind of went backwards. He beat Pantelio badly last year. Then he kind of lost to him, um, in, I mean, sort of kind of lost to him in the quarters and then lost to him outright for four. So he's, I don't even think he's as good as Pantelio necessarily. He beat him in freestyle too. Well, freestyle. I'm just, well, I mean, I, it's just another win yeah, over yeah, the yeah. guy. Sure, but I'm not stacking up. Up those, but then okay. So those are the wins that we're talking about: Lavalley and Berger and Deacon and Pantelio, who he's also lost to most of those guys. Chenzo, Chenzo, Wick, 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 Shields, Massa, Massa, Steyer, Chandler, Rogers, Joe Smith, Isaiah White, uh, Massa again, Walsh, Richie Lewis twice, who did not place, but I would say Richie Lewis is a better win than a, a fine silver based on what he was able to do that year. His losses, I believe, are more acceptable. Um, Chance, Mackay, Imar, Massa, Massa, Lewis, McFadden, Wick. Maybe not more acceptable. Maybe on par. Heisley's only lost to All-Americans. Um, okay, well, that's true except for Richie Lewis, who is – listen, Paul Fox is an All-American, right? Larry Early's an All-American, sure. But if you if you want to compare a, a lo- what a loss to Richie Lewis means versus a loss to Larry Early, I think we know what, what those mean, right? I think we know that Richie was a more high-quality opponent than – than Larry, so I think that's his only non-all-American loss, and it's to. Who wait? Hayden never wrestled Richie Lewis. I'm I'm comparing their worst loss. So Richie's Richie is the worst loss for Bull. Oh, you're saying Richie's worst? Okay, I thought you were saying Richie's worst loss for Highly. I'm like they never wrestled. Sorry, no, that no. makes that makes far more sense. I'm just comparing worst loss. So you could say losses are a wash. I get what you're saying about the wins. Like there's no doubt and, about and, that. And so when you're comparing guys, comparing careers. Quality of comp and when they're when they're in different weights, quality of competition has to be what you look at because well, sure, if he was if he was in this weight, and not an all time weight, and not, maybe not all time weight, but a vastly superior weight, we were lamenting 157 all year long. This weight is not good. I mean, Caleb Young made the semis, right? Like no one no one even thought that was possible coming this year. Space said it was the toughest weight in the Big Ten. Uh, it was extremely deep. Um, had a lot of qualified, but. I think we know. Uh, Marinello said a red shirt loss to Anthony Valencia. Well, who's not an all American? We're not talking red. We're talking. Ain't talking about red shirt. We're gonna talk about Paul Jen right now. Come on. Uh, so I think it, this is not a slam dunk. If you want to say, I mean, 
if honestly all we're saying is NCA placements, this is not even a question. Well, no, that's not all we're saying, but I mean, I think it's what matters to those guys the most. But they're, I mean, you heard Sebastian Rivera talk about it. They were like, do you, he asked him about it. Someone asked him about his wins over Spencer Lee, and they were like, do those still mean something to you? And he's like, no. Like, what does it get me right now? What is, well, I mean, sure, but what is fourth place? I mean, what, is, I don't know. I, I think. I mean, those are just better finishes. Yeah, they're better. They're, he was NCAA finalist as a freshman and then was damn close to being an NCAA finalist again as a sophomore. Um, and then you have a guy that has triple dipped from the semis and then was seventh as a one seed. Yeah. I, 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 that's true. His NCAA finishes aren't as good, but – he has better wins, and he has equally acceptable losses. I mean, like way, we, way better wins. He's beaten way better. Yeah, I'm not that, argue, that shows, I didn't that argue shows that. A higher, to I me, that shows that. a higher um, – so, so maybe The question I'm, was I'm, better career. Yeah, so I'm saying better wrestler, better wrestling accolade – maybe not accolades, but better proof of elite wrestling. I would say it's Alex Marinelli. That's my – And we want to talk about, like, I don't know about elite wrestler. Hayden Hiley was in the finals of the U.S. Open – and made a U23 world team. I know, but Marinelli doesn't even do Marinelli didn't stuff. even, he well, yeah, he went did. to junior world trials, yeah, he lost. Got, he kind of, yeah, kind of got hosed. He lost on an interlocking fingers call. I know. 5-5. Five, five. It's about the most hollow win ever. And Makai Lewis is pretty freaking good. Um, so, yeah, it's more of a thing than I think both of you are acknowledging. You're, 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 it might be more of a thing than I originally thought when I originally read the question on Twitter, and that's why I literally responded to it is because I was like, well, we're not going to answer this because... I don't, I don't think it's a thing. So maybe it's more of a thing than I'm acknowledging right now. Maybe, I don't know. I still think better career is Hayden. Yeah. Um, I just want it. Uh, I'm just glad that you If think we're talking better wins or, yeah, better wins, I guess. Or, yeah, yeah I guess better wins would be the best way to put it if you're trying yeah. to argue Marinelli. Quality of competition and better wins are always a thing. and there, There's always nuance when... You're discussing better career, especially when two guys haven't met head to head and are in different weight classes. But the problem with that is, it gets very that there's a lot of room for gray area when you're talking about different weight classes because ultimately um, there are eight All Americans at every weight, and I know what you're saying that you know not all Americans are created equal, but like that's just how wrestling is. There are weight classes, and those guys enter a tournament and they place, and all that matters in 50 years is brackets. Um, Alex Marinelli is incredible and, and um, probably does have better wins that, that stack up better and you know gets more opportunity because he's in the Big Ten. But Hayden Hydley has a better career, and Hayden Hydley should have been um, in the national finals this year. Um, but he maybe, to, maybe he your, should have been in the finals, to, but maybe he shouldn't have point, been in the semis. To your point yeah. about, um, about that, Marinelli does have two wins over um, uh, also a two-time champion, Vincenzo Joseph. Um, but... Hayden Hadley's had the better career so far, and um, hopefully they both have good careers going forward. Wow. Very classy of you. <laughs> I love that you always, like, throw in that you wish that, like, as though that needs to be said. You're like, hey, I don't, you know, I don't want anyone to be hurt in, in wrestling. It's like, no crap. But I well, like that you throw sometimes, it in. Sometimes morons, not you guys, but morons Maybe just me. listen to, you know, four seconds of things and don't actually listen to the entire statement. Um and those people suck. So it's Hydley, but they got two years left. So yeah, it's just it's all it's all Hydley fun, should it's all just fun debating. Up. It he could easily change if Bull goes out and wins two titles, you know, and yeah. Hayden's like 
fourth and second. Maybe Hayden will like. come up to uh, 65, and we'll see what it's all about when you don't have Pantaleo in your semi. Hey, we'll talk about that. That would, be, be, a little different, that would be great. A little if Bull and Hadley wrestled each other, then we'd figure it out. Yeah. We'll I think it. Hayden's not going to go 65. I don't either. He's a little smaller. Um, okay. More questions. I told you, I really like these questions. Maybe you don't. Um, no, they're good questions. Uh, Andre Moshier. Willie can suck it. It's fitting that he's not on the show today. It is. It is. Because you, you friends are in your true form right now. You're asking great questions. You're very funny. You're great content. Just reading your questions alone. Andre Moshier, feeling a little used. It's called Alien Hour, but all I get is 10 minutes. Hashtag FRL. Hashtag Alien Hour. Well, my response to that is on Mars, 10 minutes is actually an hour. And I don't know that that's true. It may be the exact <laughs> like, opposite, but you can just say that. And yeah. people will be like, oh, okay. That, that makes, makes sense. sense. It's Mars. Right. Um, maybe I need to start my own podcast. Wow. Just an Alien Hour podcast. I would, I would love to be a part of it, just involved in some way. Yeah. Because uh, it's, it's a great segment. Do you, do you have any teases for what we may have uh, this so, Thursday? So I, I kind of want to go off the rails with this one. I don't know. It might be a little <laughs> deep. It might be a little too deep. Um, it's another kind of conspiracy, but, uh, the Nipsey Hussle murder. Oh, shoot. I think it goes to the top. You're, are you serious? I'm that serious. Was, that was bad. Full disclosure, did not know who he was I until yesterday either. or I two feel days like ago. somewhat plugged in. I don't know how. Yeah, same. I don't know how I didn't, but doing a little more research, seems like it might be, uh, trying to silence him. Oh, boy. We love so one thing you don't know you've never and big pharma's involved. Oh, well, you better be careful here. <laughs> I you know. Ex- if you expose this, listen. If Thursday doesn't come and Bra- and Bracky's not here, big pharma got him. Seriously, uh, Nipsey said that a few times in a couple interviews because he was working on a documentary about what I'll talk about. Oh um, shoot! And uh, he was like, they're gonna try to make it look like it was gang violence. Oh, my gosh. That's what literally the police are saying. Oh, my gosh. This is not good. Um, So we'll have to get into that. Um, Big Farm is always involved. R.I.P. Nipsey Hussle. R.I.P. Sounds like he's an inspirational dude. You should really listen to him. He's he's awesome. Green and Burroughs tweeting about him. Um, So, yeah. Very sad. I feel ignorant for not knowing who he was. Same. Um, Little Jerry Seinfeld, which I'm just – Accused uh, from ease, which means questions from enemies. Uh, and little Jerry Seinfeld was the name of Kramer's chicken for you uh, Seinfeld watchers back uh, back in the day. What big names will relocate RTCs between now and 2020 to avoid infighting, i.e. Nickel Taylor, Spencer Gilman, J.O. Dake, etc.? Well, J.O. is either 65 with Yanni or 74 with Dake, and I don't think he's going 74. So I don't think he's leaving. Uh, Spencer Gilman. Geo Dake. What the? Yeah, he doesn't know how big. He doesn't. Just don't don't get hung up on that. I addressed <laughs> it. Nickel Taylor, as we said. So I don't know what the maybe it is. Spencer Gilman. Um, I don't know who would leave. You know who's man's, but uh, maybe that one. I don't see any other major conflicts. And even Jo Yanni, it's only going to be like a two-year thing. Like Jo's. I mean, Jo can go through twenty twenty-four, but. You know, he's Yanni's, legally allowed to. Yanni's twenty and Jo's twenty nine. Is he? No way. Jo's my age. Oh my gosh, you're twenty. You're twenty nine. Oh, I'm I'm twenty eight. <laughs> I'm twenty eight right now. I'm turning twenty nine this year. Jo's older than me, so it was either twenty eight or turning twenty nine. Oh man, we're getting old. I didn't know you were twenty nine, dude. This changes everything, doesn't it? 
Oh. It does. Um, we should read Gene Parmesan's question. Oh, ask it. Uh, if you were at Gene underscore Parmesan 13, uh, <laughs> if you were to start the Ethan Lezak backpack camp, who would you invite to be clinicians? Also, would you rather the camp giveaway be a small lizard, uh, a backpack, or a backpack of Lezak's face? Well, the, the second one's obvious. You would rather have a backpack with Ethan Lezak's face on Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, the face he had when Austin DeSanto was like saying stuff to him. Yeah. That he's, face. Yeah, that face. <laughs> <laughs> Where he's just like, what is happening right he's now? He's like, why are you yelling at me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he looks so confused. I like, didn't tweet any of those things. He's like, uh, he's like, what's happening? I don't have Twitter for crying out loud. Um, <laughs> so who would be at the backpack? I think uh, watching Logan Stieber, Techfall Kyle Bauer yesterday, I think he should be involved. Wow. Um, sorry, no shots fired. We were Kyle, <laughs> Kyle Bauer. Barstool guy. He was a wrestler at Kent State. He's really funny. He's from Wheeling, West Virginia. We all know him. And, uh, yeah, he wrestled Logan Stieber once, and I went back and watched it because he made some headlines uh, for his hotel behavior. Um, but, yeah, I would invite Logan Stieber. Um, Hopefully all of probably the – Probably Zane. You know who needs to be a clinician? It's Kyle Shoup. Kyle Shoup should be That dude turned everybody – I want the dudes that are like completely like liabilities on their feet. Lezak was good on his feet, but I want like um, you want there to be like a disparity. Pata like Pataxel. I, this guy won matches on the mat. Pataxel yeah. would be one. Um, Gregor Gillespie, he was pretty good on his feet, but he was you know auto top. AJ Shop, mm -hmm. uh, Shop needs to be there. This is a pretty good. This this uh, pamphlet's fire. Uh, I could see handing out, and I love that this guy's name is Gene Parmesan. Kyle and Dan, you probably don't know who that is. But he's a, it's a very obscure Arrested Development reference, that, yeah. which is my favorite show probably ever other than The Wire. And he's like this undercover detective, private eye guy. It's really funny. You should all watch Arrested Development. Um, which guy that wasn't our representative on the world team this year has the best shot of meddling in 2019? Well, there's a lot of potential options there. There is Nishan Garrett, who kind of made the team, and then – his replacement meddled. So I think that's a good option. Uh, Nomad, any any guys you want to throw in there? Jordan Oliver. J.O. Right at the top of the list. Yep, I think like so. That, that one to me is the, the the way he's wrestled against some of these other top guys like Chikayev and stuff. It's Jordan Oliver. J.O. You have anyone, uh, Kyle Bracky? Mm. Jared Hot. Jason Nolf. Jason Nolf, Jason Nolf. All right, one more question from Sam Herring, our guy. Make sure you listen to the Home Mad Advantage podcast hosted by Sam Herring and Jude. I think it's Fisher or Swisher. 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 Thank you. I forgot it last it's a cool show. Name. Almost in this. He's he at NHSCA. He's me and Willie talked to him. Oh, really? Yeah, he's a great kid. Did he wrestle? Yeah. How did he do? Uh, not so good. Crap. Yeah. Yeah. He's better. Maybe maybe his future's in podcasting, or maybe he's just at a bad tournament. No, All right, he'll be fine. NHSCA is hard, yeah, by the way. He's a good wrestler. After the last show, I began to think what would solve the problem we were having with American wrestlers competing for other countries. My solution is Cliff King Wrestling Club should secede from the United States of America. How do I feel about this? I don't feel good about that. I like uh, Cliff King Wrestling Club. I think they should be in the United States. I would just prefer that their wrestlers wrestle for America. At least their their coach is um, their coach is foreign. Yes. Bell Glazov. That gives me no comfort. Um <laughs> Someone asked... Andy Rovat lived in Russia for a while, too. <laughs> did no. he? Did he? 
I think. Andy Rogat lived in Russia. Where'd you hear that? I'm not sh- Are you sure? Come on, dude. You're making that up. Mm, sorry. Why would he not tell us? Fake news. He should tell us. Uh, Andy, you should have let us know that. Uh, someone asked, I don't know, the question didn't get in here, but which of the, um, I'll call them defectors, poses the best uh, shot at meddling at Worlds? Um, and I think if Pico comes back, it would probably be him. If I had to say, then maybe Micic. Ah, Micic tech the world silver. That's that seems that, important. That gives me uh, and and was very close with world gold. So <clears throat> I would say Micic. All part of it. I mean, I, I have no idea where Pico is wrestling wise. Yeah. You know, like I see Stefan Micic wrestle frequently. Haven't seen Aaron Pico step on a mat in four years. Yeah. He's great at liquefying dudes' kidneys, but. Sometimes he gets knocked out, though. Well, that was one time. No, he's lost twice now. He didn't mean to. Maybe a couple times. (laughs) Kyle said he didn't mean to. (laughs) That is true. That is true. He tried. He 100% did not mean to. All right. It's time to go. Well, hold on. on. I got a couple things. Just because you guys guys talked about um, the seeds last time, and I only went back one year. Uh, Maybe I'll go back more later, uh, or maybe it'll be a start of next season thing. But anyway... So at NCAA's, I tallied them up. 74 of the 80 All-Americans um, this year, 2019, were 10 seeds or higher, which basically is like – that's basically chalk in my opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, last year, 64 of the 80 were 10 seeds or higher. That's so 10 curious. full seeds below uh, 10 that were either unseeded um, that which kind of corroborates with what I said right away when this came out, which is, well, that sucks for lower seeds. There's going to be way fewer All-Americans from them. Now, it was just one year, so I got to go back and look at it again. But, you know, this year you had an 11 seed, a 13, a 15, two 16s, and 26. Last year, three 11s, a 12, three 13s, a 15, a 16, and seven unseeded guys. Seven unseeded guys placed? Last year, 2018, wow. yeah. Maybe because you shouldn't seed all thirty-three. Well, wait. My opinion. I liked it better when there's more chaos. To me, it's, you can do. You can. There's evidence. An that's thing. evidence to the contrary. It's like, well, you want if the regular seasons to have value, then you should be punished or rewarded for the good or bad that you do, and you should be given up. Oh, regular season should have value, but um, only to top sixteen. Because basically, chaos ensues. Yeah, chaos. I mean, you had some chaos. I don't like there's sixteen. I think you should go back to twelve. Just, I want, I want, I want, I want as much case as possible. Yeah, regular season matters, right? Alex Marinelli, you're in the one seed. Great. Then you got to, then, you know, then you got to finish it off. You got to beat Mikhail Lewis, right? Miles Martin, you're in the one seed. Then you got to go and finish it off. You got to beat Max Dean. That has, no, that has nothing to do with their seeds, that they lost matches. What's your point there? That you, you get the seeding as correct as possible. And then whatever happens in the tournament happens in the tournament. And if, if, if it's a lot of chaos, that's great. And if it's not a lot of chaos, well, that's not as great. Well, so be it. That's like your opinion, man. I just said it was my opinion. Yeah. I just said like this is a, this is an inarguable thing because we're just going to go back in circles, going, well, I want this and you want that. I think it's better when low seeded and unseeded guys all American. I think it's better for the sport. Oh my gosh, better for the sport. Just love like it d- is it for the growth of the sport. Oh yeah, it's really sport. great. It's really great when six teams have ninety of the all Americans. That's real freaking awesome. That that's cool. Have no hope. That that's real good for for athletic departments to to continue to to do it. Well, we haven't had an all American in thirty years. Yeah. That's how programs get cut. Okay, double bronze. That's, that's how like, co- that's how programs get cut. No, it's not. 
But Eastern Michigan is the poster child for random All-American. Yeah, yes, that fine. Did, and Eastern ran, Michigan and, and, literally, and Omaha, Nebraska, and all that, fine. But it, you know that it helps. It's easier It's easier to justify keeping a team that's winning. It's, it's easier to justify a team that's winning because they're more likely to make money than the teams that aren't. Oh, so, really? Because they had a, a, an unseated All-American, they're more likely to make money? That's yes! Not, it's not what, true, are, no, man. Are you going to donate to a team that sucks or are you going to donate to a team that's showing promise? I can't believe That's 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 just that's how life works. Like you're going to give money to This is why that's why Harvard has a 6 trillion dollar endowment when they don't need it. Everybody gives money to to the big the big schools, the big programs, the big companies and not to the smaller things. That's so, just how it works. Buddy, you, you went from you want them all. You want less seeds because less you seeds. want more random all Americans. Because more random all Americans. Well, I mean, you're, you're, be better for the sport. Better, be better for the sport. For the, to, I mean, to have to have fewer all Americans. That is because, a leap, my friend. And uh, we're gonna finish on this because we can we can do this for twenty minutes. But you have this. You have this very specific view of how the NCAA should go in the regular season. I agree, the regular season should matter. But what you won't make the leap of is that if you really want NCAAs to be a, a true reflection of talent and the season and all that, that it should just be 8, 10, or 12 guys in a round robin and not a line bracket tournament with nearly half of the starters in the NCAA making it. That is an actual true reflection of the talent in the seasons than having 33 guys in a line bracket that doesn't recede. No. Yes, it is. This, you, I, I don't know. I don't know how you can't wrap your brain around this. You're so silly that you know that the best way to determine a champion in anything, to determine who's the best in anything, is a large data set, right? The larger the data set, the better. Here's the data and so, set. And Everyone. so to have, so this is why, this is why the NBA, this is why the NBA always has the same teams instead of in, as opposed to college basketball because it's a seven game series instead of one and so the more games you play the more likely you have that the better team is going to win so if you have a round robin it is better than a line bracket to determine the true level of talent and the, the, who is truly better and to have a small round robin bracket would be better for determining who is the best and the order of You're the best. You're repeating yourself, Nomad. I get because it. you don't understand no. it. You haven't understood it for f the whole time that I've worked here, and I don't get it because you know you like you factually know that to be true, but you just love you 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 cannot you cannot shake this beautiful thing, this beautiful NCAA tournament that you have in your brain. You can't shake that it should be changed in any way. I do think it should be changed. I thought it should be changed over the years. I like that they've changed how how they've seeded. I like that they've changed the qualification process. I like that there is an element of um, some surprise in what can happen in terms of. But hey, you, but you don't like that because the data no, suggests that that was worse. No, I gave you. I let you rant and rave. You're breaking out in hives on your neck. Let me have be a turn because you're because you're, you're no. You're, you're, you're lying to yourself. You're lying to the people. No matter. And you're talking about different talk? things. No man. You're talking about different things. No man. CP's turn. Fine, but he's 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 uh, fine. No, fine. I understand this. Stop. I understand this. But I'm gonna get this out. I'm gonna get this out. <laughs> say fine and stop. No, he's unplugged. <laughs> he, he's lying. To you <laughs> I'm not lying. Yes, he is. He's not gonna let me talk. He's he's sleep deprived. I have breaking Be news. Okay. Uh, Willie t just tweeted. Huge news. They think I have the gout. Celebrating with a bud heavy. Um, I just want to get out in front of this. I called this in 2015. I'm the one that told him he had gout, and uh, he should have just listened to me. 
Oh my gosh, she really has gout? Yes. I we knew it. We knew it back Wait. then. Wait, the the doc, you say the doctor confirmed it? That's what he's saying. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what a mess. Um, no. Now that he's he's settled down. Write your things down and look at them. <laughs> Write your things down and look at them, and you're going to see that you have cognitive dissonance about the NCAAs and what it should be and what it should mean. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Kelly you do Howard. You just won't admit it. No, Matt. Kelly Howard's concerned you're going to have an aneurysm. I know, because Kelly Howard's a good guy. He understands <laughs> that I get fired up about these things. I know, but it's like it's way it's way extra. And you there's a there's a there is a certain um, there's a melding of we get basically the right order and the right guys when we do the 33 man bracket. It's approximate. It's not perfect, but we're also you need to have something that's pragmatic and makes sense from a marketing standpoint, from a fan standpoint. It can, it's no. I let you. I agree that the bracket should be the thing. I agree that the bracket should be the thing too. I like with the brackets. I don't want a round robin tournament. Yeah, we could do that. We should do really. We should do a. Th you're wrong. We should do a 78 man round robin and get the entire field involved and then go from there. Yeah, that's the that's okay, the, the European that is, soccer season. Okay, but that is not pragmatic. That doesn't make sense. That is not a way to build a sport. It makes no sense. So I can simultaneously say, okay, sure, that would be the more exact way to get the exact winner. But here's the perfect melding. A properly seated or approximately properly accurately seated 33-man bracket, and whoever gets top eight gets top eight, and whoever doesn't doesn't. Okay, and so getting back to the building and the growing of the sport, do you think having a small concentration of talent is better, or in a few teams, or to have more opportunities there's no for lower All-Americans? There's no change in the talent. The talent is the talent that enters the tournament. No, I understand the talent is the same, but the opportunities are different. The opportunity based on is identical. You are in a 33-man bracket, and if you're top eight, you will wrestle that way, and you earned the 19, the 24, the 28 seed based on the season that you had. And if you had done better, you could place yourself in the bracket in a better position, and you would place top eight. And right, you, you can still place in the top eight as the 29, 30, 31 seed. Yes. We I, had a 33 seed make the round of 12. So it can happen. Cash Wilkie was a 30, 30, 34th or 35th man in, Valdivia's and he made the round of 12. Year. Yes, I, I get all that, but you understand that – when you seed 33, you get a different placement than because the 33 guy under the old system could meet the one seed, could meet the five seed, could meet the eight seed. Now we know the 33 meets the one. Now mm -hmm. we know the 25 meets the eight. Now we know the 17 meets the 16. That's fine. We're, that happened. To, I, I have no it, issue with that. The, I think that's stupid. Why, sh why should I? I think it's so stupid. And, and the, the, the other reason that it's so stupid is because – while the selection process is much better than it was before at, at getting um, the 33 guys in, because of the nature of how it is done, because RPI is super random, because schedules are not created equal, um, because guys get, get injured and miss matches and sit out tournaments and things, that once you get below 16 and you, and you have to use things like RPI and coaches' rankings, it gets way more jumbled Right, like sixteen to twenty to twenty-four is much closer in most instances than one through eight, right? Because of yes. the nature of their losses and because of the nature of the, of the coaches' ranks, where guys will call each other and go, "Hey, I need I need my guy yeah, to get yeah, in. Can you rank this. him? 
But some people at home don't know this. So that's why I'm trying to explain it to them. Well, everyone knows that the 1624, yeah, they all beat each other. They're right. incestuous. And so to have <laughs> incestuous. Um, and so to have us to to have the, the 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 one through sixteen was was better. I like the one through twelve. I'm, if you want to go one through sixteen, fine. But to have a system that has more random variability is better for the sport than what we have now. And we're gonna, I think we're gonna continue to see, um, you know, what I say, seventy four of the eighty all Americans were top ten, seventy five of the eighty were top eleven. I would much prefer it to be, you know. 65 to 70 are top 9 through 11 seeds. You prefer I think that's much I think it's much better for the sport. I think it gives I think it's better for us as media, it gives us better storylines. I think it's better for fans to have something to hang on to to have another all-American. Okay. And you, I think and I think the the because of the nature of 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 the tournament, right, and how it how it ends up that we're never going to get what what I and you seem to have calmed down this from the last time that I talked to you about this. Willie, Willie's really gung-ho about the top eight, um, you know, being accurate, that that matters way less than chaos and calamity and having um, different teams be able to get All-Americans and different representatives get on the podium. That matters way less than having a historically accurate record of who the top eight is. More, what is more important is having a historically accurate record of who, like, the finalists are. Uh-huh. That's just like your opinion, man. You you're, you're saying I, you I want. I understand. That's my. You're opinion. saying you. I mean, what you are saying is, and what I don't like is you, this bleeding heart thing for the small programs and the guys. First of all, they're not necessarily small programs. They're just worse wrestlers. You want worse wrestlers on the podium. Well, worse the, the no. worse seasons, not necessarily worse wrestlers. Worse, no, no, uh, because if they weren't worse, they would place top eight this year. They are worse. Right, but you want this random jumbled thing so that you have this more opportunity for them. It's just like the UWW double bronze with the uneven. You got eight up top and sixteen in bottom. So maybe we can get Portugal a medal so that we can tell the IOC. It's all vanity. It's totally fake. Portugal is not a contender in the world space or whatever random country you want to say. It means nothing. It's total vanity. It's, t- uh, it's a fake stat. Why do you say like- vanity? It's like, look at us. We're this sport of immense inclusion where you can win from any country, but really we just rig it so that there's inherently more chance of some guy placing top three in UWW when but, really but we know we it's a sport of inclusion. Don't don't we hang our hat sure. on? Don't we hang our hat on? It doesn't matter how big I, you are. Do, like, I you know hang what I mean? my I hang my hat on. This is a sport that is a true meritocracy and doesn't mm. rig it and make it so certain way so you can have some random school or some dude that mailed it in all year and just gets hot and has the right draw to the bracket to place eighth. I, I like that the best guys in general win. The guys that have worked hard and had the best seasons, et cetera. And you know what? The guys that don't, the guys like Chip Ness that don't have good years, terrible draws, they make it happen. They make it happen. If they're good enough to make it happen, they'll make it happen, right? But I don't. I just don't agree with rigging the system to reward the guys that haven't put it on the line all year long and haven't earned it just to create some random path for them to make it when there's guys that have because because what the counter is you're saying the guys that have had the better seasons that have worked harder that have done more that have been more accomplished and better you're by by putting these guys on the podium the randos you're taking these other guys off and i don't agree with that necessarily it doesn't matter we can't go back and forth on this anymore it's 9 30 it's time to go um we will be back i don't know if willie will be back i don't know what <laughs> does he is need it, emergency is gout, surgery is the gout how do you cure gout we will uh, Google that. 
Will stop could. eating and drinking all that crap. So he mm. will have gout for the rest of his life. He could, yes. Until he dies. Yes. Because he will not change. He won't. He's not. It's not going to happen. He won't. He's, I think it's gotten worse since he moved back. At least he had to walk inside to the <laughs> building. He had to park. Now, he would park where he wasn't supposed to park when he worked here. But he still would have to park. He would have to walk to his car, drive here. Wait, where would he? Then walk inside. He would park at the, out front of oh, the yeah, gym. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so now he doesn't have to get out. To go to, <clears throat> he just goes down to his basement and works from there. So I'm highly concerned that we'll ever get a, a, a walking Willie back in. He's coming to Austin next week, by the way. He should be here in studio. Yeah, you didn't know that, but it's happening. We, I was with him all weekend. He didn't tell me. Well, it, was in that, <laughs> it was in that email about... Uh, we're gonna oh, the, the 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 dinner celebratory. Yeah, we'll all be together for dinner. Celebratory dinner. Anyways, you don't care about our dinner plans, but we'll keep you posted on Willie. Maybe he'll be back. Maybe this is the end of Willie and FRL, and uh, maybe this is the end of Willie in general. It could be the end of Willie in general. But what vindication! What a day of victory for for Bracky and really myself because we've been steadfastly saying this man has gout yep. forever. And in your face, doctors who in your told face. him otherwise. He didn't go to a doctor the first time around. True, but he did see he the trainer. He just told himself it was turf toe, so he felt like an athlete. Yeah, yeah. Tur yeah. You know who got turf toe? Deion Sanders. <laughs> yeah. Not freaking you, Willie. Wait, he just self-diagnosed himself with turf toe? Yes. Well, you know, no. Pat Santoro also told him he had turf toe at the U.S. Open. He was asking everyone. Enablers. He was showing everyone his foot. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> ah, goodness. Don't call we'll be back later. Thanks, guys.